With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, uh, filling in for your host, Michael DePodpina. This week, I'm SI staff writer Rohan Nagarni, and joining me on the show today, uh, is the NBA media certified lover boy. Uh, he's too sexy for the fame. Uh, he's the staff writer at the ringer. It's my good buddy, Paolo Ugetti. Paolo, how's it going, buddy? What's up, Rohan? Thanks for the intro. That was, that was a little bit too much, but I'll take it. I think all facts. I think all facts. <laughs> I don't know about that. You're, Paolo, you're, you're not it. No, <laughs> Fox news is shaking at two immigrants hosting a basketball podcast. <laughs> Truly a momentous situation here we got going. Do you have any uh, friends, cousins in El Salvador uh, who have any stories that we should be aware of <laughs> before we get going? Um, none that I can tell in the pod. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Um, Paolo, we have a lot to get to today on a, on a jam-packed off-season episode here. But before we get started... I got to thank the Open Floor Globe for all their emails that have really kept us going uh, this summer. Obviously, the season's starting soon. We don't want you guys to stop sending in those emails. The emails have been the lifeblood of this podcast. Make sure you get those emails in to openfloorglobe at gmail.com. Paolo, I know you love sending emails. We'd love to see you in the inbox sometime. Uh, But whether you're an NBA writer or not, please keep those emails coming in. Now, Paolo, I know uh, you're a loyal listener of the podcast, but but just in case, I'm going to give everyone a refresher. Last week, early last week, uh, the pod, Michael Pina and I did a podcast uh, debating the greatest one-on-one players in the NBA and and who would win a one-on-one tournament amongst all retired players in the NBA. In that podcast, Pina picked Kevin Garnett, as his winner of a one-on-one tournament among all retired players in the NBA, I rightfully freaked out. Earlier this week, Pina and the no-good Chris Herring, whose book that's available for pre-order on Amazon.com, but I will not be buying it, uh, slandered me uh, while I was on vacation, uh, trying to defend Pina's insane take that KG would win a one-on-one tournament of all retired players. Paolo, none of my crushers are listening to this, so I feel comfortable comparing this to the MCU. But this is really like, you know, the Captain America Civil War of open floor. It's torn It's torn the team apart. Uh, we're going at it. I, I just want to give you a chance to weigh in. If you had to pick uh, one player to win a one-on-one tournament amongst all retired players in the NBA, tell me why you wouldn't pick Kevin Garnett. <laughs> well, first of all, let me say I am a long-time listener <laughs> for a while, so I come to the open ho- open floor very humbly and oh, there we go. You know, looking for acceptance, but also I feel bad for the open floor because I feel like they've been time has been wasted on them. Like valuable podcast time has been wasted <laughs> on the fact 
of discussing whether Kevin Garnett is even <laughs> good enough. <laughs> yes. I think to answer with Kevin Garnett, only Michael would. And I'm just frankly, I, I apologize on behalf of a Yes. I'm not. Yes. Go but off, King. Go off, King. I also say, Chris was way too nice to Michael on that. On the podcast. <laughs> he, let, he, he was he was basically like, oh, no, it's a, it's a good answer. Like, you know, Chris is a nice guy. You should order his book. But beyond yeah. that, Kevin Garnett cannot be the answer. You could, I mean, he, M- Chris had the right answer with M- Michael Jordan. Yes. You could also say Shaq. You, you could say a bunch of different Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Hakeem. You could keep going. You could keep going. Yeah, but, so that's take. I'm sorry, Mike, but I'm not that sorry. Paolo, thank you for settling the debate. Thank you for making uh, everyone realize that Chris Herring, too nice of a guy. Again, Chris Herring's book about the Knicks, uh, Blood on the Floor, the Flagrant History of the 90s Knicks, available for pre-order on Amazon.com, even though I will not be ordering it. Uh, seems like a popular, popular piece of literature there. Uh, but without further ado, uh, Michael, let's jump into the pod. We actually had some NBA news drop this week, and you were you were giving me some guff on Twitter for doing my job and commenting about it. But let's expand on it a little bit here. We got an email from Gaddis. Gaddis, I hope I'm saying your name right, buddy. That that you know, Gattis, I, I take that like seriously. The, is it like the baseball player, like Gatis? Like Gatis, Gatis. It could be. Uh, he goes. He, they, I don't know, I don't know Gaddis Gaddis, but here we go. What's your guys' honest opinion about this Aaron Gordon four-year $92 million extension with a player option on the last year? He averaged 10 and 5 last year and an 11 and 5 in the playoffs. Is he even good? My God, I get that he's somewhat okay defensively, but come on. 23 mil for a guy who can't shoot or create? Come on, guys. He's never even averaged more than one steal or block per game. All right, Paolo. You're the guest, so I'll let you go first. Your thoughts on the Aaron Gordon extension? I respect uh, the emailer's tone about this. He seems disgusted <laughs> by the Aaron Gordon email, which is not a level of, you know, harshness that I could get, uh, I could work up to. But I will say, I think that's just life in the NBA now, for especially for a team like the Nuggets. You know, they probably are not going to get somebody like Aaron Gordon in free agency. It's going to take a lot for them to entice somebody to sign with them. So the fact that this ha- they have this guy in house, they have to do everything to keep him. And I'm sure Aaron Gordon's agents know that and have leveraged this kind of deal for him. So I think this is just a reality. I think for Denver, even if it's a overpay, if you want to call it that, it makes sense because they have no other avenue for getting better unless they decide to trade Jamal Murray or, or Michael Porter Jr., which it doesn't seem like they would want to do. Yeah, I-, I couldn't agree more with you, pal. And I think you make a lot of good points there about this being the reality of the NBA. As I tweeted, I love this signing for Denver. I think it's an A. I think it's a home run. I think it's a no-brainer. And that's because they have a team that can contend for a championship. They have an MVP-level player, frankly, the MVP in Nikola Jokic, uh, Jamal Murray, an ascending star, an intriguing young talent, Michael Porter Jr., a lot of good and interesting role players. Michael Green's been good for them. They have Jeff Green, Monte Morris, probably one of the better backup point guards in the league. And now, of course, Aaron Gordon, you can't afford to not keep this core together. We've seen teams let guys walk for money and then get and then get killed for it. What did we say when the Bucks let Malcolm Brogdon go? You know, would you rather have had him? And obviously they ended up winning. They were able to swing that Drew Holiday trade, but it came at a steep price. Uh, the Suns back in the day when they let Joe Johnson walk. Uh, there are so many examples of teams getting close to building a title contender and then getting cheap at the last second, letting someone walk out the door, and we kill them for that. How can we criticize the Nuggets for, quote-unquote, overpaying someone like Aaron Gordon, who I might add, only 25 years old, his best basketball will be played on this current contract. As far as his averages, I, I don't think it's his averages that are important. It's how well does he fit with the Nuggets? And I think we saw when Jamal Murray was healthy last year, he was the perfect third guy there. They need someone to guard uh, those superstar wings uh, in the Western Conference and on other title contenders, the LeBrons, the KDs, the Durants of the world. Uh, they need someone who doesn't need the ball playing alongside Murray and Jokic. And that's why Gordon's numbers are so low. Would we have liked to see more from him in the playoffs when Murray was hurt? Absolutely. At, at the same time, the Nuggets were just completely decimated by injuries at that point. So I, I think it's a an absolute no-brainer of a signing. And 
what are their other options? I mean, you mentioned if they let him go, if, if they try to trade him, whatever, are you going to get equal value back if he's on an expiring deal? And you can't just let him walk out the door. Right. And if you're the Nuggets, you also have the ability to say, we don't know what our core, when healthy, could accomplish, right? So there's even an appeal in that. Like, maybe this would be a different conversation if Jamal Murray hadn't gone hurt and then they would have still topped out, you know, in the second round. But the fact is that didn't happen. So now they want to see what, what they can do with three guys healthy. And so it makes sense. And like you said, he's young. He fits that role that he's supposed to have on the team. On, on the Magic, I mean, he, he was kind of expected to do a little bit of everything here. His role is extremely well-defined, and he's playing alongside Jokic, who is going to make him even to a better player. So it just mm-hmm. it just makes too much sense for this not to happen, no matter what the price tag is. Right. And something we, you know, Mike and I have discussed a lot on this podcast is maximizing someone's value in a specific role. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It, Orlando Magic Aaron Gordon, when he's being asked to be the lead guy, the lead scorer, et cetera, is he right for that role? Probably not. Can he be the third guy on a team? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you sign him up for that? And they're going to extract more value from him than most other teams in the league because of what they're asking him to do. And that's what makes the contract worth it. Now, I saw the look on your face, Paolo, when I said the Nuggets were a title contender. I've seen that look on your face before many times in my life. And it's when I say something crazy uh, and you're not a fan of it. I want to ask you your honest thoughts on the Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic core. Uh, I've seen some of the Nuggets reporters say that they expect MPJ to get extended at some point, or he seems to be in the team's future plans. What do you think of that core four in Denver? Do you think they're a title contender? I think the reality is that the Nuggets have done everything right. Like they literally have done the team building, they, they've got the second round, you know, obviously Jokic, you know, tournament and MVP. They have done nothing, almost nothing wrong, I would say. And so it's hard to criticize them. But it, when you look at the reality of the NBA landscape and what the teams look like, I just don't see how this team is more than perhaps a conference finals team. It's just it's hard for me to see that because, you know, obviously we don't know what Jamal Murray is going to look like. That's a big question mark coming back from injury. But even just in general, I just – there's just something missing. And, I, and I'm not, you know, this is not to denigrate Jokic, who I think can't uh, be a title mm, player on a team. Mm. No, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. He, I know he can be the number one player on a title team. I, I believe that. But it, it's just more about, you know, kind of putting them up against these other teams. Like, are you really going to sit here and tell me that the Nuggets could be, you know, the Nets, for example, or even the Bucks? You know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that the answer to, the, to that question. And I feel like if things break right, they could totally be a title team, but they need things to break right. Whereas other teams might not, might be able to, you know, chart their own path. That's interesting. I will say I like the Nuggets in the West, especially if Murray is healthy. Now that's a big if, and that's a little bit unfair, but I don't look at any team in the West right now as a runaway favorite. The Lakers are an absolute wild card. The Suns are a team that had a lot of things break right for them in the playoffs last year. The Clippers are obviously dealing with the Kawhi injury. And guess what? The Nuggets have already beaten the Clippers in a playoff series uh, when their team was fully healthy. So I look at it as a, as a team that can absolutely make a run to the finals when healthy. Beyond that, they have the youngest core of, of any title contender, um, which I think they have a, the bigger, the biggest window, right? I mean, the Lakers – LeBron's obviously on the wrong side of 35 at this point. Uh, The Clippers are already dealing with health issues with Kawhi. I just think the Nuggets have a wide open window. And I know that those windows always end up being way shorter than we assume. Crazy things happen in this league. The movement's nuts. But I I really like their chances. I do think they could beat the Bucs in a playoff series. I I really like the Bucs. But there were times when they were really underwhelming during the playoffs last year before the finals. I, I, I don't. The Nets are obviously the, the big juggernaut looming, but there's outside of them, there's no team that I, I think the Nuggets are at an absolute yeah. huge disadvantage against. No, I, I think you make great points. I think the West is very wide open this year. Um, obviously, who knows what's going to happen with the Lakers and that that crew that they put together. And, and you're right. They do have, hypothetically speaking, the longer window because all their guys are in their, around their mid-20s, and that's not nothing. You know, and that they're going to have, you know, more longevity than these other groups in the West. And, 
And I think one thing they have going for them, which I think has contributed to them getting to the point they have is that continuity, right? They have that same core of Jamal and, and Jokic and a few of the other guys who have been there and who have created that culture, if you will. And, and, and then it seems like Aaron Gordon has fit in pretty well. I mean, obviously Michael Porter Jr. is kind of the, the, the big question mark. I think we're having a different conversation if, you know, we start the season and he makes a pretty big leap and is healthy, you know, because then, then I think, yeah, you could, you could, talk yourself into them being a title team. I've already said like 15 times on this podcast, they should trade MPJ. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paolo, I feel like we've had our like reporter voices on during this whole conversation. And I, I just really want to, you know, one of Paolo and I's biggest running arguments, and we rarely even talk about basketball in our normal lives, is Paolo's just flagrant distaste for Nikola Jokic. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I you know, I, I, I just want you to give it a chance to look like, you're always making fun of me for how much I like Jokic. Can you just tell me once and for all, can you make clear what your feelings are? Sorry to put you on the spot. I just want to know what's up, man, because every time I'm tweeting about Jokic, you're in my DMs making fun of me, and I just want to know what's up. First of all, it's not every time. <laughs> Second of all, I have nothing against Jokic. He is, as a fellow immigrant, I cannot okay, possibly okay. Wow, you're him. throwing down the fellow immigrant I- card already. Okay. <laughs> I think there's something about, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this, but sometimes a player, you know, the passion around him is a little bit, <laughs> it's a little bit off-putting sometimes. And I'm not, I'm not pointing the, the finger at any particular person or anything. It just feels like it <laughs> kind of goes over the top. Like, I mean, I, I think there's nothing for me to object about Jokic's game because it's like unimpeachable. I mean, he won the MVP. He's like one of the best players in the league. I don't think I have anything against that. I think, I think, I enjoy watching him play. Is he my favorite player to watch? Probably <laughs> not. But I, I, I just, you know, there, it's worked out for the people who, who have been on the Jokic bandwagon for so long. And I can't possibly be like, I'm, I'm, I've been on that bandwagon all along because you know that's not true. That's but true. I wish all good things for Jokic <laughs> and the Nuggets. I have nothing against them. Please don't you, crucify me. You, you, you just have something against me for tweeting about Jokic so much. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. All right, Paolo. Well, that seems like a very good spot to take a quick break. But when we come back, we will be discussing all things Los Angeles basketball. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. 
If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Paolo. So, you and I actually first met a couple years ago at Clippers Media Day. And as you'd like to remind me, I was walking around with my backpack on the whole time, and it was really embarrassing. It was, it was adorable. I, I was new to Los Angeles. I was really nervous. The backpack just offered me a sense of security. And I, I wanted to have this conversation with you because it's really funny to think about just two short years ago when I first got to Los Angeles, a big reason why I was there was this huge burgeoning Lakers-Clippers rivalry, right? Everything was about basketball center is now in LA LeBron and Kawhi are in the same city you know the path to the title these teams are on a collision course it's going to be incredible and both teams are playing down the rivalry even though the Clippers are putting up all these billboards that are subliminal shots at the Lakers etc in two years uh, we got a, a couple of solid Christmas day games uh they don't meet in the playoffs in year one year two the Clippers try to avoid the Lakers in the playoffs only for the Lakers to go out in round one. And now it seems like no one even cares about the Lakers Clippers rivalry anymore. I'm just curious what you make of this. Do you, do you think anyone has their eye on these two teams as rivals anymore? Because two years ago and slightly headed into the last season, it was a very big deal. Now it's just, I don't think anyone considers them in the same league, kind of. Yeah. I think only Patrick Beverly does. And I think he's yeah. on a different team, but I think right. he believes in yeah. the Lakers-Clippers rivalry. Uh, no, it's so crazy how quickly the luster has fallen off that, that entire situation. I mean, I remember, you're right, like those media days were such a big deal because it was all the questions to the Lakers were about the Clippers and all the questions to the Clippers were about the Lakers. And it was just this, you know, constant putting back and back and forth of the two teams and obviously when they played the games were extremely fun you know the regular season ones I I remember Patrick Beverly speaking of him you know when they won that I think it was the season opener that first year that they won he was just going up and down the tunnels in Staples Center and just yelling you know why are you guys lined up to go into the Lakers locker room nothing's going on over there like that <laughs> should be over here by the Clippers locker room and he I mean, he just he just went off. I remember that very vividly. And, like, that was fun. You, you thought that, like, okay, this is going to be the future of the Lakers. Like, this is the next five years of basketball. You're right. L.A. was the, the epicenter of basketball, um, or at least it was going to be going to be. And so the fact that it's gone to this point where, like, Kawhi is injured, I don't think I see any billboards anymore. Like, the, those <laughs> the billboards are gone. gone, yeah. As corny as they were. And, I mean, again, it goes back to you – know, there's not a lot of – I mean – Speaking from an LA standpoint, first, there's not a lot of the, the Clipper Laker dynamic is al- is always going to be big brother little brother. That's never going to change. But the team is just not a title competitor, and then the Lakers are just their own circus with just how many the guys they've signed this offseason. So it feels like they're on two separate universes now, and it's not even you know. I'm sure we'll get some fun matchups even without Kawhi, but it's just it's it's kind of sad. It is really sad, and and not to make this oh poor Los Angeles and poor Clippers, whatever. It just, it's kind of a bummer. We never got to see those teams go up in a playoff series, especially now that the Lakers have gotten so weird and and no one knows what to make of them. And we don't know if Kawhi is going to be healthy in time uh, for the playoffs. You mentioned that Pat Bev moment. I mean, he also had that Christmas day game where he strips LeBron as LeBron's going up uh, late in the game. There's that silly replay review and all that stuff. You know, the two teams, they really made it a point to act like they weren't rivals, even though it was obvious they had their eye on each other for so long. Was that Pat Bev hallway moment the most memorable moment for you? I'm curious if anything stands out even for obviously it was just regular season matchups, but anything that stands out to you from those last two years when it looked like those teams were going to be headed for each other? Right. Well, the games felt like events, you know, it was, it was awesome mm-hmm. to be there for those because you felt like, OK, this is both teams want to win this and are taking this seriously, even if it's a regular season game. Yeah, I would see the Pat um, Pat Beverly moment for sure. I There there was a, I think it was that same night where in, during his actual press conference, Pat Beverly had like 
an incredible quote that I remember writing down. I think it was, um, like I said about us being the best team in LA, a lot of people don't believe me. It's fine. Women lie, men lie, numbers don't. So <laughs> I, I do remember that. Very Pat Bevan. Um, and then I would also say another thing I remember, even though this is not a Lakers-Clippers game, was last season when um, the Staples Center ushers were making fun of the Clippers as they got eliminated. <laughs> and that just tells you everything you need to know about the Raptors yes. there. <laughs> Shout out to the Staples Center ushers, who also one time – made Bob Iger, the president of Disney, who basically runs like 60% of America. Uh, Bob Iger was trying to leave uh, Staples Center a few minutes before a game ended, and Usher had to check his ticket to make sure he was allowed to walk out in the tunnel. Usher did not let him go through. I, he, <laughs> yeah. he did not. He was like, no, sir, this is not the time for you <laughs> yeah. to go through. And you uh, see him kind of chuckle. It was yeah. It was, uh, great to see someone, well, literally the only person in America who Bob Iger has ever had to answer to uh, was that Staples Center usher. Yeah, it is sad. It's funny. You you mentioned the games being events. That's, that's such a good point. I'll never forget that first game that they played on the opening night of the 2019 season. And what really felt great about that game was Durant had left the Warriors, and obviously he was injured anyway, but it felt like for the first time, the league was wide open again. Uh, it felt like anyone could win the title, and there was such an energy around that game. I remember walking by Kate Hudson in the Staples Center tunnel and being like, this is wild. Like, what Like, what are we doing here? Uh, there was hundreds of media members there. Uh, I remember Mav Carter, like, sitting in the tunnel getting uh, MLB playoff updates. It was just those games, I'll really miss the scene because everyone was there, hundreds of media people, all the celebrities, et cetera. Those were a lot of fun, but that brings me to a question about this season because we might not have that that Lakers-Clippers rivalry anymore that, that never really was. Paolo, is there a playoff matchup or a rivalry? Uh, you know, Mike and Chris even touched about this in their Christmas Day pod, maybe some of the lack of exciting matchups uh, or rivalries in the league right now. Is there a dream playoff matchup that you have uh, for this season or two teams that you'd really, really like to go see head-to-head? I think in the West, I would say I really want to see a Lakers Suns again, just to mm. see, you know, full strength, like what that looks like. And I'm sure the Lakers will feel like they can beat the Suns, you know, after not having <laughs> right. Davis. So I, I want to see that in the West. And I also want to see, I think it'd be fun to see Luka Jokic. That would be, I, I wouldn't, you know, that would be a, a fun matchup too. But I think I, I don't, I feel like this is everybody's answer this season, but of course, no, everybody wants to see Lakers Nets, and that would feature so many weird connections between the players who are on each team. Like, I just there would be way too many storylines and way too many things to talk about, and I, I think that's just probably the number one number one for me too. If you made a chart of how the relationships between the players on the Lakers and Nets. And it's like LeBron and KD head to head in the finals used to work out together. KD tired of being number two. Uh, they did that weird Uber thing together with Kari champion. What was that about? I don't know. Then it's like Russell Westbrook used to play with James Harden twice. He doesn't like Kevin Durant, James yeah. Harden, a mutual friend of Kevin Durant. Just so many things. Well, it's like, it's like, the, the Lakers Ned series would explain the last 15 years of basketball. It <laughs> yes, literally would. Exactly. Like, it's just everything <laughs> it's in there. So you true. Even have Carmelo in there. And it's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Do you it's even have fun. Steve Nash and uh in there? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Amari Sadamire. It's really, really absurd. I think that's really good. I would love to see a Jazz Clippers rematch just to see if the Clippers can knock out the Jazz for a second time without Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> and to see what uh, Rudy Gobert would do if Terrence Mann was hitting eight corner threes again. Just would he would he go out and guard him? What would happen? So that's not my quite my dream matchup, but I would like to see it again as the uh, the resident Rudy Gobert skeptic um, <laughs> on the open floor pod. But let me tell you about my dream matchup because I agree Lakers and Nets makes a lot of sense. But what what I really want to see, Paolo. Mm -hmm. is a Warriors-Nets NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. I want to see Klay Thompson back and healthy, and I want to see the Warriors with Iguodala, with some fresh new faces, the young guys, uh, Kaminga, James Wiseman, 
Otto Porter, who I'm really high on, who I'm banking on him being healthy. And I just want to see the idea of the Warriors. It's like almost like a heist movie. It's like we got there's one last job we got to do. You know what I mean? It's like I need yeah. Steven Soderbergh directing. It's like we got the band back together. We're a little rickety now, but there's there's one there's one white whale out there. Right. And as Kevin Durant, who I think most people agree is a top two NBA player right now in the universe, one of the greatest basketball forces we've ever seen. Can the Warriors prove that their collective can take down the guy who supercharged their dynasty? And you want to talk about it's not just Kevin Durant. It's like the Warriors going up against like their playoff like nemeses, you know, it's like Blake Griffin, James Harden, Kyrie. They have, they have playoff history with all these guys. So that's, that's my dream matchup. I, I think a Warriors Nets, there would just be so much narrative beauty and poetic justice behind a matchup like that one. Well, I think if, if Lakers Nets would be kind of the marquee of, you know, all these names and all these guys who have connections with each other, I feel like, uh, Warriors Nets would be, you know, more of like the petty, petty, uh, uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm here for, I mean, I think it's, it's almost too perfect. Like the narrative, like it's, would there be a final series where the distinction between the good guys and the quote unquote bad guys would be more clear than in the Warriors (laughs) and the finals? Like that, that would just be wild. Like, I don't think I could take it. Like I'd end up rooting for the Nets just because everybody would be so pro warriors. It would, it's like a, it's a reverse Terminator two situation. Wow, okay. Almost. We're like the, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a Terminator two situation because the, the late, uh, the late 2010s warriors were the Terminator, right? Mm-hmm. They were coming in, they were destroying everybody, but now all of a sudden, they're coming back as the good guy. And it's like, whoa. And then you got Kevin Durant, the T-1000. He can be whatever he wants to be. And, yeah, it would just be. The the words, basically, what they did birthed what the Nets did. It's like it's a total, like, full cycle thing. It's too much. It's beautiful. And it's like, yeah, the Warriors were this team that – so many people got so tired of because of how unfair they felt. And now all of a sudden they're the underdog that that switched for the Warriors, them becoming the team that everyone was chasing. Everyone was hunting to now. I don't think the Warriors would tell you that we're chasing anyone, but them being in this position where maybe they have a little something to prove. I mean, you give a you give Steph Curry, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson something to prove against Kevin Durant. I, I just I'm I my heart literally races at the thought of that finals yeah I, and that's why probably we're not gonna get it <laughs> exactly that's the real conversation we need to have is how we'd never get the playoff series never. we actually want uh that that doesn't mean we don't end up with some good ones and some classics uh we never saw coming uh but for some reason we somehow never end up with the playoff series we really want to see yeah, I mean, I think this year we have maybe two chances, right? Because we want Lakers Nets, but we also want Warriors Nets. So maybe there's a way we get one of those. Right, right. So get ready uh, for the the Suns Hawks finals yeah. or the you know the the Nuggets Sixers or something crazy. Okay. Um, all right, Paolo, that seems like a good time to take another short break. But we'll be back with another email from the Open Floor Globe right after this. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights... Speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Paolo, we're back. We got another email here from the Open Floor Globe. This one comes from Elliot Gold. Uh, and this is a very nice email. So I was an Open Floor Globe member from the beginning, took a break when Sharp left, and just took another break when Golliver left. I just started listening again, and I got to say, y'all are great. Well, first of all, Elliot, thank you so much. And let me just say, shout out to Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver, the OGs of the Open Floor Podcast, uh, two people who mean a lot to me. Uh, we're indebted to the work that they built, uh, did building this podcast. So we're really glad to have you back in the fold, Elliot. Uh, his question is, is Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving straight up the trade that will never happen, but definitely should happen? If you got the GMs of the Nets and Sixers in a room alone and got them to speak honestly, what do they say? To me, this makes both teams better on paper, although it definitely has some off-court complications. Paolo, uh, let me start with you. What do you think of the Simmons for Kyrie swap that Elliot lays out here? Well, first of all, I want to say Elliot just can't quit the open floor. <laughs> he, he keeps wanting to get out and then gets pulled back in <laughs> every time i'm thinking out they pull me back in <laughs> yeah. um i love this trade Ooh. Um, i think i would have loved it more you know maybe like halfway between last season before okay. everything with ben simmons kind of went down um, I, I just love the idea of it. I love the fact that it's so cleanly like, okay, one for one, mm. you know, obviously we, if we want to get into the, the, the basketball specific, which, which I guess this is a basketball podcast, we will. <laughs> Kyrie is a far better player than Ben Simmons. I think that's, I'm not saying anything new there. And, and, and that in itself would be lopsided, the talent and just the skill and the accomplishments, et cetera, et cetera. But I just love the idea of one team, you know, thinking, we need to get rid of this guy. And then the other team being like, we don't need to get rid of this guy, but like, maybe we should. And it's like, <laughs> there's like, there's, there's a lot of things that make sense. And I mean, who knows how the Nets feel about Kerry. There's a lot of reports about that, but it doesn't seem like they're, I mean, if bringing KD and Kerry to, to Brooklyn was the plan, I don't think they're going to just trade Kyrie willingly, but you never know. So I don't think this trade will ever happen. But I, that being said, I just love the idea of it. I love just the, the fact of being like, okay, I'll swap you your slight problem for my slight problem. I just, I, I think the concept is fun. I think we're in agreement that the concept of the trade is very fun. I don't think it's as obvious as Elliot uh, lays it out to be. I don't think if you got the GMs of the Nets and Sixers in a room alone and got them to speak honestly, because I, I think the Nets would love to have a good defense. I'm sure that would mean a lot to them. But really, a big part of what makes them special mm -hmm. is the fact that you just, when all three of those guys are healthy, they are impossible to defend. You cannot defend them. There's no answer. They're always going to be able to find a way to get those guys in a one-on-one -on -one situation, and nobody is stopping Harden one-on-one, -on -one, Kyrie one-on-one, -on -one, or Durant one-on-one. -on -one. And you, if you have Joe Harris on the floor and Blake Griffin is a roller, they just become unstoppable. And I'm not saying that their offense goes to stoppable with Ben Simmons, 
but it becomes conceivable on how to defend them, which is you're either, you know, Simmons and Griffin are playing together and now the floor is a little bit more shrunk or Simmons becomes their five man, but now they're putting out a point guard out there that you can ignore a little bit more. And that's why I don't like this trade for the Nets because as kind of comical as their defense is, as we saw in the playoffs against the Bucks, they're incredibly hard to stop when one and a half of those guys is healthy. When two of those guys are healthy, like they were for the start of that Bucks series, they're a nightmare. And I just think that this trade, it doesn't make them stoppable, but it would make them, it would just add that slight bump. And that slight bump could be the difference in a seven game series. Yeah, you're right. This is not a good trade for the Nets. Like from that <laughs> like, yeah. It just isn't, you know, because first of all, like, yeah, a few years ago, maybe when the league still, it felt like defense still kind of mattered as much as <laughs> right. Like you could make the case like, oh, they need a defensive stopper. But now they just start scoring everybody. And, and that's just the reality of the league today. And, and they, they don't need it necessarily better defense. And they have a lot of depth already because Sean Marks has done a pretty good job of filling out the roster. So I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense for them from a basketball perspective. And you're right, you know, on offense, you know, they could play uh, the, the, the other team could play off of him. And then it's more pressure on Durant and, and Harden. So it just has a cascading effect that doesn't make sense. I mean, obviously for the Sixers, this would be a dream um, because they need, they've been needing that exact, that exact player for the last, I don't know, five, six years. So uh, it, it's, it's fun. It's fun to think about in theory, but I, I mean, it would never happen, obviously. It is also funny to think about it from a Nets perspective. Obviously they'd rather have Kyrie than Simmons. And I'm not suggesting they wouldn't be better. They wouldn't be a title contender. I will just say, I don't think Kyrie and Embiid would be a perfect fit in many ways. Personality wise, maybe they would love each other. I don't even know, but I don't see Kyrie as the kind of guy who wants to dump the ball in the post 20 times a night. He's also, I don't think he's like a huge, I I also, I'm sure the stats are great, but you've never looked at Kyrie and been like, let's run 50 pick and rolls with him a night with a big man either. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so it just – I like where your head is at, Elliot, because I think we all agree it's a very fun trade in theory. Um, and I'm with you, Paolo. I love one-for-one swaps. I, I think that it's like a lot of fun. Like you take this guy, we take this guy, let's plug him in, and the fit uh, is so much better. But, yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Elliot, because I think it would have on-court complications uh, for the Nets and even some uh, some mm-hmm. tiny ones for the Sixers. Uh, I want to get to some more uh, Kyrie stuff, but let's take uh, one last quick break. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Paolo. Uh, we just touched on this uh, through Elliot's email. He, he brought up the potential Simmons for Kyrie swap that neither of us really see happening for a variety of reasons. But there's something in the ether. There's just something in the air. There's some kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, but for some reason, people are talking about Kyrie Irving trades. And a weird thing happens in the NBA sometimes where sometimes people will be talking about something and it comes out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden it kind of just gets spoken into existence. You know what I mean? Like sure. Kyle Rowry, I, like two years ago, people were like, he loves Jimmy Butler. And then the next thing you know, a couple years later, he ends up on the heat. These things just have a way of, of coming from somewhere, etc. We're seeing some weird Kyrie Irving rumors right now. Uh, Nick Wright tweeting the other day that if the Nets were to trade Kyrie, he would retire right away. But why are they even talking about that? I'm just curious, what, what do you make of this? And then obviously you have Kyrie tweeting. For the record, I'm fine with Kyrie Irving. If anything, I like him. I'm a fan. I appreciate the chaos he brings to the NBA. And I'm not saying that all of his statements <laughs> I agree with. I do think that he is just moving through life at his own speed. And I respect that. I'm letting people cook, especially post Pando, baby. I'm letting people cook. So Paolo, I want to ask you, what do you make of just kind of the, the aura around Kyrie Irving right now? And, and some of the weird rumors kind of seemingly coming in out of left field. I feel like it's part for the course. I feel like he's one of those guys that everybody just enjoy because there's nothing. I mean, okay. It's not like he doesn't give us anything, right? Cause he's tweeting out a bunch of different things and posting and, kind of taking sabbaticals and, and coming back. So he gives us a lot, but I feel like people are constantly trying to figure him out, right? And so in lieu of being able to do that, they just kind of talk about him or project ideas onto him that like might not even be accurate or, you know, they, some of them might be, you know, I'm sure people are, there are people who are informed or are close to people close to him and, and, and sort of know more about him, but it just feels like we're just talking about him because he's in the news again or like talking about him because he said this or like, you know, I, I do think the Nick Wright tweet is interesting because you're right. Like, why would the Nets be talking about trading him? It, it, I'm not saying that they are, but like, why would that even be a thing that he needs to report, you know? Um, and and so I, I don't know. I, I don't really make anything out of these things because I feel like with Kyrie, we've just been in this. I've gotten to the point where I'm just like everything that Kyrie does or says or whatever happens in this kind of vacuum here. And, you know once in a while it will affect the Nets or it will affect the NBA. <laughs> once in a while it will like actually be something that we all need to think about or, or write about or discuss. But, but if not, then I'm just kind of like, it's just in the, it's like background noise a little bit for me. And like you said, I don't, I'm, I don't have anything. I think I, you're right. I think he brings a level of chaos to the league. That's kind of fun from, from, from time to time. Cause it, you know, it gets people upset, but beyond that, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, when if if he at some point gets traded we won't hear about it at all and then it will just happen like i don't feel like this is leading to some sort of conclusion where suddenly he's being traded i, I just i don't feel like that's the case yeah that's a good point i'll i'll kind of attack this on two fronts i do think uh, you brought up a great point people almost care too much about the Kyrie thing mm-hmm. is it like what has he done that's really affected the nba you know what i mean like maybe just if you didn't react, none of this would be a problem. Also, if anything, he's a labor's dream. We'd all love to take a sabbatical in the middle of our jobs. You know what I mean? You're telling me you wouldn't take a, a month, a month of paid leave uh, in the middle of the busiest time of the year for you? Like the guy's a a, a labor's dream, a laborer's dream. So yeah. So shout out to him for that. Uh, the trade stuff. I don't know why the Nets would ever trade him because, as I kind of mentioned in the Simmons discussion. I think what makes them the most special is the fact that they have three just really, really highly skilled offensive players that it's even different. I don't think that they are collectively better than, say, the Steph Clay KD Warriors, 
but there's a style of play that they've kind of gravitated toward the fact that they're so one-on-one hunting isolation that that makes them just so much more intimidating so much more scary in a way that they would lose that if they ever traded him and beyond that it does seem like the way they were able to get KD in the fold and Kyrie for that matter was to promise them bringing both of them right right so I, I just think that you're throwing a real uh, a real wrench into your team if for some reason you traded him and you know he's best friends with your superstar etc and they signed because they wanted to be a package deal I, I just don't know why they would ever break up that trio especially after one year when they were mostly hurt well I, there's no basketball reason to trade him because you're right the, the fact what makes them invincible is the fact that they have those three guys on offense so there's no basketball reason to trade him and then you start veering into this territory of okay is there a non-basketball reason to trade him and we don't know the particulars of that but I feel like people like to fill in the blanks you know a lot of right. that really knowing you know what's going on like and so I feel like if this is coming up it's like maybe there's an off, off the court reason why they feel like they should trade him and, and maybe even Durant is is on board with it you know who knows right we, we don't know but even then it's just like is it is it, is it something you can put up with whatever it is um, and still have the best team in the league, you know, from a talent standpoint. And so I just, I'm sure it's a complicated situation, whatever, whatever's going on, but maybe there's nothing going on. And maybe this is just, you know, Kyrie making noise and people thinking that it means he wants a trade or, or whatever. I mean, according to the Nick Wright tweet, I guess he would just retire, which I also, again, going back to the sabbatical, fully respect that, you know. More people should walk away. Let me tell you something. I got killed on this podcast uh, for saying Mike Budenholzer should should just walk away after Incredible. winning the title, but w- since when did riding off into the sunset become a bad thing? Like, yeah, go out on top. Now, would that be Kyrie Irving doing that? Not necessarily, but guess what? He's already hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. What more does he have left to prove? More people should walk away, man. You know what's great? Not doing anything. <laughs> To, to this point, not, not to I, – I just thought of this last night. I watched one of those Netflix uncut, like, document, sports documentaries, and it was about Marty Fish, who had, uh, you know, mental health and, and anxiety issues. He was about to play Roger Federer to, for a chance to go into the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open, and he just had – he was having, like, a panic attack, and he was just not – and he just decided, like, I don't have to play, and he just walked away. And, like, he just didn't play for, for like, five years, and uh, – you know, I was like, good for you, man. Like props to you. Like that's, that takes a lot of guts to do that. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's a mental strength in its own to do that. So yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah. you're not going to walk away, but. Bro, maybe- like when Vont, when Vontae Davis, that NFL player, like retired at halftime, that was awesome, man. That was dope. Are you kidding me? Love it. More people should walk away. If, you, if it's not bringing you joy anymore. I mean, what are you doing? Like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm all for walking away. Yeah, Marty Fish, salute. That's cool. You know who – like, I remember I was watching a college football game. It was like that Notre Dame-Alabama playoff game, and Notre Dame's quarterback got hurt, and the backup had to come in and play Alabama. And, like, nah, man, you're not paying me enough to do this. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm not coming in cold off the bench. Just walk away, people. Just walk away. It's going to be all right. Yeah. Um, Love this has become a little therapy session for you. I mean, yeah, we just have a conversation off mic about <laughs> your feeling. I'm just saying, if you take away anything from this podcast, it's don't be afraid to quit. Um, uh, Paolo, let's get to an entirely different point guard. Uh, another bit of NBA news that came out this week: John Wall uh, and his representation, according to Sean Strani of the Athletic, uh, apparently working with the Rockets on finding the point guard a new home. I mean, sure. I, I You can't say any contract is untradeable anymore because John Wall already got traded when he had more years left than his current deal. Russell Westbrook's been traded multiple times. Is there any team that should trade for John Wall? I I have not just one team. I, I can give you multiple teams. That wow. I wow. Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, obviously don't like the financials aside in terms of like the cap machinations and what it would take, but I, this is strictly from like a, would it be kind of fun or interesting to have? Okay. Okay. Uh, how would you feel about the heat 
trading for John Wall. I would hate that. I would absolutely hate it. They just got Kyle Lowry. They don't need another old point guard on the team. I understand that they could play Lowry and Wall together. Yes. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really like that fit. They already have too many players on the team who can't shoot, so I don't think that they could afford to add another one. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, I get that. Um, what about – I like you. I like you pitching this to me like you're like Ashton Kutcher at like a VC meeting. You're like, <laughs> this is what shark- if? Yeah, this is a shark take. You're like, what if John Wall in a Heat jersey? And I'm like, <laughs> but uh, okay, all right, all right. Next team. Next team. I feel like that that would be hilarious on its own because I feel like the dynamics of that would just be fantastic. And then you know, you, I know you have Dennis Schroeder, but I, I don't know. I would, I would, I would get excited about John Wall and maybe just in a Celtics uniform, maybe just. He's a good passer. He would help with, you know, feeding the ball to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that option. You know, they do talk a lot about finding someone who could handle the ball for Tatum and Brown. I I can squint and see that one a little bit more than the Heat, even though I think Schroeder is actually going to have a big year for them and is obviously a steal at the money they got for him. So I, that one, I guess, I like a little bit more than the Heat one, but would I actually do it if I were them? No. Look, the reality is the answer to this question is no. No team should be yeah, yeah. for John Wall. I'm just trying to entertain the question. Like, I appreciate I it. I appreciate thinking, it. I was even trying to think about the Clippers. Like, you Ooh. know, maybe, maybe that's something. You know, I know Reggie Jackson is there, and but you can't you can't break up the brilliance of of Reggie Jackson right now. Not after what he did in the playoffs. Um, yeah, it's a tough situation. There's not really like a place for him. <laughs> And it's it's really just a matter of his contract. I'm not saying that he should be out of the league. Obviously, he has the injury issues, but we'd love to see him find a spot somewhere. But I don't know how they think they're going to trade him. Like, what team is going to be able to put the salaries together of players who aren't valuable to trade for someone like John Ball? I, I that is a I, I don't I like shout out to him and his representation for for trying to find a partner, but. They're gonna to have to call in some insane favors. How how would you feel about the how would you feel about the the Sixers trading for him? They do they need a they need a they need a ball handler, they need a point card. He would definitely shoot, which is good. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Wall in the Sixers is as absurd as some people think it is, but that can't be who they get for Ben Simmons. That's gotta be like no. a three team trade or something like that, because the trade can't be John Wall for Ben Simmons. It has to be Ben Simmons for John Wall, a ton of assets, or there's a third team involved. But, I mean, if you're really trying to that, – that can't be what they get in the Simmons trade. It's a dark, it's a dark reality, but, but where, what else are they going to get at this point, right? Like, it's pretty tough right now. And, and it seems like the Sixers want to are okay going into training camp without with having him on the team. And I wonder how long that's going to last. And, I mean, it's, not, it's, it's an option. It's not a good one, but it's an option. I mean, it's just like you, you get a third team involved. I, why do the Rockets – I don't know, man. That I feel like is uh, – your day. You, like, saw that, like, Simmons for Wall, and you're like, wow, that's bleak. And you're just well, like, I, I, saw, I saw someone tweet it out, like, Simmons for Wall, and I'm like, man, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was already really pushing the limits of Simmons trades when I was like, Simmons for Harrison Barnes. Um, yeah. But, uh, man – Simmons for Wall would be particularly, particularly upsetting. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I, I don't know. If you had to guess, do you think they're able to move him this season? I know it's kind of crazy because the contracts are getting moved maybe like we never expected before, but I don't even know. I don't even yeah. know who would take on. That feels, that feels like something the Kings would do. That's a good. That's a good call too. I I think they do move him because you're right. Like some team is going to, you know, think that they can, you know, get some something out of him, right? And and I, it's it's just it's tough to see because everybody kind of has their point guard situation figured out, and not that like he needs to be a starting point guard, which because he probably doesn't. But and now, but instead, you're paying a backup point guard forty four million dollars. Exactly. So. It's tough to see, but I, I, I don't know. I, we've seen crazier things, let's be honest, in the NBA. So I feel like if they want to try to move him, they could probably figure something out. Find, yeah, find. maybe somehow Oklahoma City gets involved for the millionth right. time and they get another eight draft picks that they can't use and everyone freaks out about it. Um, 
All right, Paolo, before we before we get you out of here, uh, I'm going to spring this one on you. I didn't put it on the outline. I love to just throw curveballs uh, at my co-host on this podcast, but something Mike and I have touched on during the offseason, kind of our favorite regional or, or snacks that we used to eat growing up, uh, things we loved. Mike, uh, we got an email about this from Thaddeus, by the way. Shout out to Thaddeus, our most loyal, just a Hall of Fame, gold status, uh, open floor emailer. Um, you know, Mike talked about the potato pie he would eat growing up. I talked about the chili cheese toast. I want to ask you, Paolo, what's kind of your your regional snack that that thing you had growing up that you think more people need to know about? Well, I I feel like I would get in trouble if I don't mention pupusas. What's mm-hmm. over there? As as uh, you know, that's it's more of a meal, but and it's more it's very popular over there. Like if you haven't had one. You should definitely have one because it's just basically a tortilla filled with cheese and beans and other good stuff if you want it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, obviously that was like a staple um, of, of, of that. I think beyond that, though, I don't I don't know if there's anything in particular. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, there's like yuca, which is another mm-hmm. okay. we have, which is we fry it over oh, there. Dude, it, fried yuca is, come on. You so can do good. a lot worse than fried yuca. I know more popular. Um, but yeah, stuff like that I think is – you know, I, I just went back to El Salvador and uh, a few months ago, and and I had both of those, and it was like, okay, I'm I'm good now. I can go home happy. So I want to know. Okay, somehow I've never actually asked you this, but what is like? Tell me your favorite pupusa filling. Like, what should I be getting um, when I'm trying to get pupusas? Because in LA, you can get a lot of options, and I'm curious to you, what's the go-to, the the highest order, the number one pupusa filling? Well, in classic American fashion, here the pupusas there, it's just a bevy of options like it's like we're gonna put anything in there and really like the traditional ways there's three main fillings which is just cheese um beans and cheese and then what we call revuelta which is is cheese beans and uh chicharron oh wow mix so i like the mix a lot i i I like the mix and the cheese those two are probably my favorite um and you can do different things even even over there like you can add like Loroco, which is like this green, um, I don't even know what to call it, but it's this green plant that, that goes mm-hmm. in the cheese. That's really good. But the ma- the two main, I, I, those are the three main ones. Those are like the, mm-hmm. the whole trinity. From there, people ah, have to <laughs> one out. But I I, I I stick to the basics. I do the cheese and then the revuelta. Those are those Dude, are. Like- you could anytime anytime I see the word chicharro, hey, my eyebrows are raised. Uh, I'm very intrigued. I need to know more. I'm yeah. expanding the box, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, Paolo, thank you. This was your first time on Open Floor, right? I, yeah, I think so. First time. Wow. First time. There we go. I think you did a great job. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for settling. It's now done. The one-on-one debate that tore Open Floor apart is now done. Uh, Mike, you were wrong. You were ridiculous. I don't care what Chris Herring says uh, just because he's so nice, even though Chris has a new book that you can pre-order on Amazon.com right now. Um, Paolo, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much to our producer, Shelby Royston, as always, for producing this podcast. Uh, I think Michael will be back next week as long as he doesn't quit and protest over the things we said about him on this podcast. But until then, uh, Mike, thank you for letting me sit in the host chair for you. Everyone stay safe. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so. Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.